I call to order the April 12th, 2022 Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. Recording in progress. As well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Any individual who also wishes to record this meeting must notify the chair. Okay, so going in order on the agenda, we have our pledge student, Kyle Fogarty. He's a grade six student at Annie Sullivan Middle School. Kyle is a sixth grader and is active within the Franklin community. Kyle is a proud member of the Boy Scouts and he is working on earning his Eagle Scout rank. Kyle was the only one in his troop to earn the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, award last year. The Boy Scouts has taught him a lot about himself and so many other things. He likes to camp, be outdoors, participate in Ninja Warrior classes, and play video games. At school, Kyle is kind to his peers and goes out of his way to help people feel included. We are proud of Kyle and look forward to supporting his leadership skills grow over the next few years. So if we could all stand and Kyle will lead us in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much, Kyle. Now, as is customary, we will pause for a moment of silence. Thank you, everyone. Kyle, you're free to go. I know that you said you had some Eagle Scout business, so if you have to go, you can feel free to go. Um, all right, next on the agenda, view of agenda. Agenda looks okay to everyone. Okay. Payment of bills. I've taken a look. They're taken care of. Payroll, Ms. Phillips. It's on payroll. It's in order. Okay. Uh, next, we have Franklin High School student reps. I'm going to promote Mackenzie. Okay. Hi, can you guys hear me? We can. Yeah. Hi, Mackenzie. Hello. I don't know if the art, like video works at all, but that's okay. So I'll just talk. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have a long list of things, but um, starting off, we had have had a very successful past couple weeks. Um, as far as performing arts goes, uh, our band and chorus went to Micah two weeks ago um, on April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, chorus won silver, band um, won silver and gold in various ensembles. And then um, our Franklin High School Theater Company hosted and won the METG Drama Festival Regionals Competition and is now recognized as one of the top 14 high school theater programs in the state, along with various other individual awards for acting, costuming, um, lighting, set design, all that jazz. So um, that was a huge honor and a big weekend because all that happened in one weekend. Um, so it was super awesome. Um, as far as class of 2022 goes, our senior banquet was now two Fridays ago and it was a huge success and super fun. A lot of kids were saying to me that it was like their favorite dance of all of high school. So we were super happy about that. I stayed the whole time and then had theater the next day at 7 a.m. and it was definitely worth it. <laughs> um, we also have our senior t-shirts which are on sale via a custom ink. Um, 
fundraiser, and the link can be found on our Twitter or in our Instagram bio. Uh, our Instagram is FHS underscore 2022. Uh, along with that, on our Instagram, a lot of seniors have, beginning to commit, have been beginning to commit to their colleges, announcing um, their postgraduate graduation plans. So if you follow our Instagram, uh, you can stay updated with all of our seniors' future plans. Um, yeah, that's it as far as 2022 goes. Um, la last week, we uh, the Peer Leadership Club at Franklin at the high school, we hosted our 23rd Annual Peace Practice Conference, um, which was held last Wednesday. And it included speakers such as Moonbeg Noe, Kobe Frangillo, the Safe Coalition, Jamil Adams, and many others. Um, and students were invited based on their leadership in clubs, uh, showing leadership in classes or on sports teams. Um, and we just spent a whole day um, working in seminars and just learning a bunch of different things about how we can teach peace and practice peace. So it was a super awesome event. We actually went to the old charter school to do it, um, which was Philly because there was nothing left there, so we had to put everything back in and then take everything back out. So it was definitely interesting, but it was successful. So um, I'm speaking on behalf of the 2023 as well, because unfortunately, Robin and Shaw were unavailable to come. Uh, but so for class of 2023, their prom tickets are on sale until April 14th, which is in two days, I think. Yeah, two days. So kids had to get those tickets or else they can't go. Um, they'll, they were emailed with necessary links and then they can also be found on Google Classroom, Twitter, and Instagram. After tickets are bought, prom contracts must be completed also by April 14th. So buy a ticket, fill out the contract. Um, and the theme is Ancient Greece, and it will be on May 6th at Lombardo's. Uh, as far as sports go, uh, spring sports have started, and all the teams are doing well. Uh, we were undefeated in all of our sports on the opening day with boys and girls across winning by 20 goals each. Science Night, uh, Family Science Night uh, for Science NHS is tomorrow, April 13th, and all ages are welcome. Not sure what time it starts, but I believe it's up. Um, and I'm not sure when it ends. Uh, Empty Bowls is getting ready for their annual uh, Empty Bowls fundraiser, which will be on May 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. And admission is $20, and all proceeds will go to the Franklin Food Pantry. National Honor Society will be hosting a Night of the Arts on April 29th. It's free admission and it's from 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, middle school, just because I know what's going on a little bit with the middle schoolers. Um, Annie Junior rehearsals have begun. We have a huge group of kids who are participating as actors, actresses, and technicians, and the performances will be on May 13th and 14th. Uh, and lastly, we have Spirit Week, which is this week. Um, we just had Decades Day, and if you guys could see me, you would see that I am wearing um, some sparkly bell-bottom pants. And so everyone had a lot of fun with that. Tomorrow is College Day, so even more exciting for the seniors to promote their colleges that they're going to. Um, and then on Thursday, April 14th, which is our last day before spring break, we'll be all be wearing Carolina Blue in support of Nick Gaspar. 
Um, and with that, we will be having a pep rally, which will include fun games for students to participate in, and student versus and a student versus teacher basketball game. And that is it. That's a lot. Of, that was a lot. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah, that was a lot. Think you covered it all. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. That was great. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hearn, Superintendent Support. Sure, I have a few things for you and the community this evening. Uh, the first is I want to share uh, a big congratulations and kudos to Ms. Paula Morano, Director of Student Services, uh, and our Assistant Directors Ellen White and Jennifer Gravline uh, for their contributions to the tiered focused monitoring review in the area of special education uh, that was completed by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education during the week of March 28th. I also wish to extend a big congratulations and kudos to Ms. Michelle Kingsland-Smith, who serves as our ELL uh, director and our ESL department for their efforts in the review process towards ESL programming in the district. And for those of you familiar with the tiered focus monitoring review, you know that there is a tremendous amount of work that goes uh, into uh, providing the Department of Education with all sorts of documents and reports and policies ahead of time and then hosting a visiting team from the Department of Education as they look through student records, they talk to um, faculty and staff and families, and ultimately they're um, here in the district uh, looking for uh, compliance with federal and state special education and civil rights regulations, as well as compliance with ESL regulations. It's a process that occurs every three years. Um, I have the pleasure of sitting down uh, at the end uh, for an exit interview with the uh, evaluator who comes to look at special education. And I don't think I have the liberty to um, fully disclose all that they share because there is a final report due to the school committee uh, within 60 days of their visit. Um, but I will say that there were many, many accolades and commendations, um, particularly around establishing a welcoming and conducive environment having an asset-based mindset, uh, being student-centered. I think all of those things that you would be very, very proud to hear. Uh, as school committee members, I was very proud to hear. As a superintendent, uh, it's like our core values um, in, in live action uh, to hear what the, uh, what the evaluator had said. Uh, so I just want to um, really commend our student services department in particular for a great tiered-focused monitoring review visit and um, the report will be issued in about 60 days. The school committee chair is copied on it. And um, uh, again, thank you to Paula, Ellen, and Jen, as well as Michelle and the ESL department. Um, the uh, COVID testing program through the Department of Education um, was announced this week that it is going to be extended past April 22nd. Initially, the testing for COVID um, from the Department of Education was through April, yeah, April break. Um, but I think, in anticipation or in response to uh, you know some potential uh, uptick in numbers, uh, they are going to continue uh, with some statewide testing options being provided to districts. Um, I do anticipate that funding to end. We have been kind of alerted that probably at the end of this year, the department will no longer support funding funding testing programs and they're making some recommendations to districts to be sure to have things on hand. Um, and we've been having some conversations internally about that. We are very well stocked in masks uh, in particular, um, but may need to think about um, purchasing tests 
uh, next year um, for the district because um, they do expire. Um, really some exciting news coming out of the Office of Teaching and Learning. Um, Dr. Tina Rogers has secured uh, yet another grant for the district. Um, you may recall last year that she secured a grant for the illustrative math implementation and um, she has applied for and received uh, three grants, one for each middle school uh, from Boston College. The funding is uh, from the 1-8 Foundation and it totals $122,800. This grant will support all three middle schools as they implement a high quality research-based middle school science curriculum called Open Syed. Uh, the funding will also provide teachers with professional learning over the next three years in terms of its implementation. Open Syed uses a storyline approach, which is a logical sequence of lessons that are driven by questions students ask as they interact and investigate phenomena. Phenomena are observable events that occur in the universe, and we can use our science knowledge to explain or predict. Anchoring learning and explaining phenomena shifts the focus from learning about science to figuring out why or how something scientific happens. Throughout a unit in Open Syed, um, students build general science ideas in the context of their application um, to understanding phenomena in a real world leading to deeper, more transferable knowledge. Um, we're one of the communities to receive this grant, um, but it's more than just, uh, more than, more has gone into it than just applying for the funds. Uh, there is a science committee with 13 members, including classroom educators, special educators, and administrators working through the process since January to consider materials. Um, we knew that STEM scopes was expiring. Um, and so uh, the committee has used current research guidance from the Department of Education, our portrait of a graduate. Uh, they have written a middle school science instructional vision statement and they used this to guide the committee as they reviewed, piloted, and evaluated two high quality science curriculum resources. Um, they have recommended Open Syed. I have sat in on some of their work this year and it's been astounding. They have visited uh, other districts to see uh, the curriculum in action and they've really done some excellent work. Um, so we're really um, uh, pleased with the direction that that is going and uh, unfortunately Mike Procassini, Assistant Principal at Annie Sullivan left uh, who was here earlier, but he has been instrumental from a building leadership standpoint uh, as, a, as a committee member. Um, and then one other big thing that's going on, I think the committee is aware, I've been keeping you informed through uh, communications, but I think it's important to also elevate this with the community, um, which is that we have um, something called Mood Check Franklin going on, which is a depression prevention initiative uh, supported by the Franklin Public Schools and directed by Tr Dr. Tracy Gladstone, a licensed clinical psychologist from the Wellesley Centers for Women at Wellesley College. It's a comprehensive depression screening program that is serving Franklin students in grades 8 and 10 and their families, uh, providing education about the problem of youth depression, identifying and referring adolescents in need of mental health services, and providing follow-up with students, parents, and guardians. Uh, Dr. Gladstone presented to faculty and staff last Wednesday, middle school and high school faculty and staff. I thought it was a really informative uh, presentation, sharing some um, background knowledge in terms of the incidence of depression and anxiety among youth, uh, risk factors, uh, signs to look for, 
um, and was, was really, really valuable. There were some nice one-page takeaways um, that people could take with them um, because the faculty and staff in our buildings are really kind of a first line of defense uh, in terms of uh, mental health first aid. Uh, screening began this week at the Horace Mann Middle School yesterday. Um, approximately one in every four to five children suffers from a mental health condition that will result in severe impairment and about 10.8% uh, of adolescents experience significant depressive symptoms at any given time. The initiative consists of two components. Uh, they deliver the signs of suicide educational curriculum to students during a class period. And then following that, they screen all eighth and 10th grade students for symptoms of both depression and anxiety using Qualtrics, a HIPAA compliant web-based survey tool that students use on their Chromebooks. Um, then following that during the school day, uh, Dr. Gladstone or a trained member of her team reaches out to students who score above a designated threshold on either screening measure, indicate safety concerns, report past depression, or indicate that they wish to talk. During individual conversations, with these students, a clinician further screens the teens for current or past depression and or anxiety after discussing confidentiality. Parents and guardians are contacted following those individual meetings and the outcomes of the screening are not shared with any school personnel unless the parent and guardian wishes, unless immediate safety concerns are revealed. Uh, screening is optional. Uh, parents and guardians can opt their child out uh, and students also have the opportunity to opt out in the moment of, uh, at the time the screening is delivered. Um, it complements our grade seven and grade nine screening that we do through our wellness curriculum. That is a collaboration between our wellness teachers and our guidance counselors. Uh, but when this opportunity presented itself uh, in consultation with Heather McVeigh, Director of Guidance, Kristen Latender-Smith, Director of Wellness, um, Ms. Morano, uh, Mr. Jagir, as well as the principals, we had discussed uh, providing this opportunity in particular for grades eight and 10, as uh, they would have had a disrupted health curriculum last year. So we felt that it was important to uh, make sure that they had the opportunity to experience uh, this curriculum. Um, it is something that we would uh, hope to continue in the future. Um, and uh, it is getting underway now at the first school at Horace Mann. And in the superintendent's report, um, I think some of the resources that are here would be generally helpful. Um, this was shared with families of eighth graders and 10th graders, but I think we can make it more broadly available to families um, across the district. There's uh, some, some really good resources uh, that she shared in her letter. Um, and then uh, lastly, just to, uh, I had some music accolades uh, that Mackenzie, um, Mackenzie talked about, so I'll skip those. Uh, we're so proud. There's so many great things happening in the district. Um, I'll just clarify. Science night is tomorrow night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Franklin High School. And I also want to wish everybody uh, a happy spring break. Um, we have no school next week uh, starting on Monday, um, which I think is the 18th. Thank you. Just uh, yeah, thank you very much. With like the almost like upbeat, uh, tons of great news. Uh, superintendent's report uh, through and through. Uh, so a huge, I just want to, you know, uh, congratulations. Uh, and uh, uh, please also uh, give a big thank you uh, to Dr. Rogers uh, for all the work securing the grant. That's fantastic, uh, and what a great opportunity it's going to be for the district.
Okay. Thank you so much for all these updates. Um, yeah, the uh, Moon Check Franklin, it sounds like it's going to be uh, just a fantastic program. So we're really excited to hear about that. Thank you. Thank you, and sounds like a lot of nice good news. Congratulations, Paula. And please let Ellen and Jen know that also send our congratulations. Thank you. Neil, did you have something? Yes. I just I just wanted to um, praise Tracy Gladstone and Danik. We've used, I think, three or four years. We've used, we call it something else, but I'm too loud. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, and uh, it's just done in such a professional way, in a private way. Um, it's been useful to uh, find kids um, who might otherwise have slipped through the cracks. Um, and just to assure parents that the way that the curriculum's delivered and then the kids take the Qualex and then the way that they're pulled out of the classroom and it's very subtle and um, her her staff is just so professional and it's a wonderful, I'm so glad it's here in Franklin. Moving right along, Dr. Hearns, yes, presentations? Sure, so um, we have put in your packet a revised uh, presentation for the superintendent's recommended budget. Um, the packet materials are posted online. Um, we have also put the materials in um, the budget area of our website, and then printed copies were provided to the committee this evening for your budget books. Mm -hmm. um, I was not gonna present so to speak because many of the uh, slides are redundant or exactly the same as they had been before um, there is an accompanying memo in the uh, in the packet related to what is coming before you tonight for an FY 23 budget uh, a couple of weeks ago the budget subcommittee met with me and Miriam and um, following the discussion at the budget hearing and the question in particular about whether or not we have enough and the right staff members at Keller Elementary School, um, Miriam and I had a conversation that we then um, presented to the budget subcommittee, which was, um, was that um, based on some adjustments that we felt that could be made in um, a particular line item uh, that we could um, reallocate some funds uh, to support an additional staff member at Keller. Um, so, um, on the slides, um, we have added in the new kind of initiative area or strategic investments um, an assistant principal. Um, not necessarily, this proposal does not have a full year, it would be a partial year assistant principal who works some additional days in the summer, but not the entire summer, uh, estimated at about $100,000 uh, to support Keller Elementary School. Um, this is something that um, kind of augments some additional teaching staff that have been uh, introduced to the building this year. We have an additional class section for grade three next year planned. We have an additional special educator that we um, have at the building this year based on student needs. Um, as you know, this proposal uh, of the FY23 budget includes the literacy, additional literacy specialist and an additional English language educator. And uh, we've added some paraprofessionals. Um, one of our challenges, um, you know, the numbers on paper uh, don't portray exactly what the reality is in our schools right now. We have vacancies, particularly for paraprofessionals um, across all of our buildings. Um, 
And so I shared with you um, some background information related to this ad. Um, it does not change the bottom line of the FY23 budget. Um, it is the FY23 budget uh, at this point um, comes to you as a revised superintendent's recommended budget of $70,216,996. That uh, bottom line number remains the same, uh, a 3.53% increase over FY22. Um, and uh, I would suggest uh, approving the, the budget. Ultimately, the budget vote is your, your voting on a bottom line. Uh, budget transfers uh, sometimes um, and do happen. Um, that you've seen over the course of a year. Um, I'm advocating for an assistant principal uh, as I feel like uh, if one position could have an immediate effect, it would be this, because uh, this position would be far reaching in terms of every single staff member, every single student in the building, uh, providing support for evaluation, uh, attention to student behaviors, uh, parent and guardian communication, and day-to-day -day operational support. Um, <coughs> In order to support this, the um, funds have been reallocated from the healthcare uh, line. Uh, we had some favorable news, and Miriam may jump in uh, to talk a little bit about that, but we had some favorable news in terms of uh, health insurance rates. Yeah, so our insurance advisory council has been um, looking at um, different rates uh, and shifting um, the plan to uh, strategic uh, group and they're going to meet uh, on Thursday to discuss this um, further um, but we think at this point in time that the rate structure um, would be more favorable for us to about a 5% increase um, versus the 8% that we had budgeted um, so that's where we were able to reduce um, the budget to account for the additional position for the system. Questions about that? Not about the health insurance, um, uh, of transportation. I know at one point that was kind of like a, a questionable. Has that started to narrow down at all? Do we have a better idea about what those costs will be? I think that's going to be pretty well set right now. Um, our big LS contract is finalized. Our uh, our in-district transportation is, is finalized with our van drivers and our out-of-district transportation um, fluctuates based on our population, but um, um, we're still waiting for, for a final answer on that. We haven't um, tied it down. I don't anticipate that it's going to be a large increase. member has joined. I know um, I have indicated he is. So Al, we were just doing the um, guest presentations budget update from Dr. Hearn Miriam, if you had any questions. Uh, no questions. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no questions. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering what's the difference between the five and the eight percent because I remember the healthcare costs were large. Yeah, it, it's about a uh, hundred and thirty-seven thousand um, dollars at this point. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. 
So where's that other 37? So right now that 37,000 is currently sitting in the health insurance account. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always fluctuation with health care based on people who come on the plan, come off the plan because of qualifying events or um, um, open enrollment. Uh, we're hoping that to see that go down, but that's, that's kind of where we are right now. Gotcha, so that could be an example of where they're, we're voting on the bottom line tonight, but in the future, say in November, March of next year, there could be a budget transfer that comes across our desk here that's $37,000 from healthcare to, you know, some unexpected need that we don't know we need right now, um, but sort of presents itself in a year. Yes. Okay, all right. Um, I think that's my question. Yeah. Okay. Have you questions? So with that, um, I would just add that um, at last week's budget update to town council, the town administrator um, had indicated support of an increased allocation of $2,396,171. I'm not sure if he said it exactly that same way, but uh, indicated uh, support for the increased percentage of the school department's budget. Um, so anticipating that to be folded in when he does his formal budget presentation. Uh, so I was able, am able to share that with you um, based on the update that he gave last, last week. Um, and so with that, I would recommend um, that the school committee approve the FY23 budget in the amount of $70,216,996. Is there a motion? So moved. A second? Second. All right, discussion, questions, community, Dave, Al? Just to say thank you all again so much for all the hard work you've done. Really appreciate it, uh, Dr. Hearn, Miriam. Over the past uh, month of answering questions about the subcommittee, you've quickly become my favorite person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, just uh, thank you all again to the entire administrative team for all the hard work that's been done. Absolutely, and just to, to echo that, and also. Um, you know, we for those just tuning in tonight, we've had a number of opportunities to ask you questions and go back and forth about this budget. So um, there are no surprises in here for us. And as you said, we're voting on the bottom line number at this point. Um, and then if there's uh, transfers that happen mid-year, that all comes across our desk. And so um, that just helps me remember this part of the process. Much appreciated. Thank you. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, no questions. All right, so seeing none, don't come in motion, we'll do a roll call vote. Camille yes. Dave yes. Kelly? Yes. Al Charles? Yes. David Neal? Yes. Lee Stokes? Yes. Megan Whitmore? Yes. Lee Spencer? Yes. All right, motion carries. Dr. Hearn. Great, thank you. Um, so the next item in your packet is related to school choice. Um, school choice is um, a law that allows students th who reside in one municipality to attend the schools in another municipality unless the school committee in that other municipality votes not to accept school choice students. Um, in Franklin, uh, we have a history of accepting school choice students up until uh, recent times. Um, so our last uh, school choice student graduated um, in 2020, and uh, that was because 12 or 13 years prior, uh, the district had been accepting school choice students uh, into, into our community. Um, there is a history of um, school choice in your packet dating back to 2003, um, where uh, you have some historical data in terms of applications and how many were accepted. 
Um, so for example, in 2007, 2008, there was a high of 74 people applying to the district with 39 uh, students being accepted into the district uh, through the school choice program. Um, and uh, a low at that time of 28 applying um, with uh, 17 accepted. The lowest acceptance was in 2005-2006 with nine uh, among the records that you have in front of you here. Um, school choice is something that um, kind of a big policy question. Uh, it does have some financial ramifications for the district. Um, we do have students who school choice out of Franklin. The number is small. Um, the number of students who school choice to other communities is small. Um, <clears throat> school choice uh, students have um, $5,000 from the municipality that follows them to their new school and their new school community. Um, that uh, is often misinterpreted. Oftentimes people think, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would I want to do school choice? Um, if the student carries 5,000 with them and the per pupil cost is 14,000, I'm actually losing money. Um, but it's uh, a little bit of a misunderstanding in that if you have a classroom uh, of 15 students and uh, a teacher at 70,000, you're paying that teacher 70,000 whether you have 15 students, 16 students, or 18 students. And so uh, any school choice student you add incrementally supports your budget towards a fixed cost. Um, it doesn't have, uh, it does have some risks uh, and you have to be kind of careful and thoughtful in terms of planning for it. And once you commit to uh, accepting a school choice student, you're, and you accept that student, you are committing to that student through high school. Um, I have been um, reluctant to recommend that the school committee accept school choice in recent years. Um, and you'll see here, it was not built into, and no assumptions were built into your budget. And, um, and um, it, it's not recommended this evening. Um, but every year, it, I do wonder at some point if it's something that the Franklin School Committee might want to consider given um, the declining enrollment and the ability to commit to students who in the middle school and high school, now that the enrollment decreases, are finding their way um, to, the, to the later grades. Um, so my recommendation at this point is to not accept school choice students for the 22-23 school year, um, but continue to study it, perhaps studying it as part of the space needs um, enrollment component of the space needs subcommittee and sub, sub, um, subcommittee. Uh, I think it's a variable that um, timing-wise might, you might not want to introduce until you sort that out, um, but at some point uh, school choice may be something uh, that, you, that you wish to do. Every year we get calls and emails um, from people in neighboring communities or faculty and staff who are wondering if we accept school choice. Um, so that's my recommendation this evening. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Is there a motion to not accept school choice students for the 2022-2023 school year as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Right, discussion questions, Camille? Dick Callahan? Yeah, thank you. Um, so one question when you mentioned uh, once you commit to a student, committing to them through high school, is that like a, a moral commitment or a legal commitment? It's a legal one. Okay. Because uh, it's uh, yeah, this is a conversation we had at the uh, budget subcommittee, and it was it was great because it definitely opens up some extra sources of revenue, uh, and I, I do appreciate the timing of it, and I, I would love to if we could you know continue to have the, that discussion as where 
looking to looking forward uh, to how the, the lower numbers that we have in our schools are you know going to shape our, our district. But I think it is something that would be fantastic in the future. Thank you for the clarification. Appreciate that. Al. Uh, so thank you. Uh, so definitely appreciate the suggestion that we we pull this into the space needs discussion. Uh, I think that makes sense given our, our numbers. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you know this offhand, but for the, the historically, do we know where these uh, families have come from? Like were they Franklin residents that had moved to another town and wanted to uh, have their children go to Franklin schools still? Or like, do we know who was the driver of the, the, the uh, I don't know the driver historically. Um, in addition to people from other communities reaching out to us or faculty and staff, we do have people who move out of Franklin who want to keep their children in the schools um, and your enrollment policy wouldn't permit that. So um, the tricky part with school choice is that you open up a certain number of seats and then there's a lottery. Um, so that can be difficult depending upon the timing in which that family moves out of town. Um, but I, I would imagine that some of the school choice students from the past had previously resided in Franklin and wanted to stay. Thank you. And I guess then, they have some detail to add to that. Just that, uh, just reiterate what Dr. Hearn said that um, some students stay and move only locally. I know as a former principal who um, participated in school choice in the neighboring town, there was often um, applications from, from local areas um, regarding just for transportation purposes. School choice um, needs to make sense to families in a lot of ways as well. Um, but um, I'm glad you mentioned the selection process is based on the number of seats you have. And if you exceed the number of seats, it's expected that it's random that you select. So you can't necessarily try to prioritize previous residents if you exceed the number already it has to be Thank you. Um, and then I guess the other question, I know you mentioned that the number of students that go to do school choice for other towns um, and leave Franklin is small, but do we know what the drivers are for that? Uh, I think they could be varied um, depending upon, um, I think there's lots of different reasons. I. I we haven't done a survey or anything in that regard uh, to find out. Um, I think it's varied. Okay, thank you. Uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, quick question. So, I, I know you mentioned it's a school choice brings in 5,000 per pupil, but do we have any maybe estimates of total revenue based on past participation or future enrollment projections or um, in terms of like the total amount? Or yeah, so I don't have any um, projections for future and um, past amounts have been large um, over the course of the year. So if we had, you know, 70 kids, we'd be getting $5,000 per pupil um, in that year. Um, and, and we file a choice report every year um, based on the number of pupils that are, are coming into our district. Uh, and we confirm that. But obviously, as Dr. Hurd said, there aren't any at this point in time, but each year, while we accepted choice students, the Department of Ed would, um, would require a, a filing to confirm that. Uh, and that's where the revenue would come. We don't have a ton of data presented to you. It goes back about 20 years. Um, but in 2007, 2008, we had 76 students. So at 5,000, that would approximate 400,000 in revenue, which goes into a revolving fund that can be um, 
unlike some of your other revolving funds, which are very narrow, um, the school choice revolving fund uh, is a pretty broad applicability to how it can be spent. Thank you. So, so if if a district decides to be you know, is open to school choice, would they have a certain amount of seats at elementary, a certain amount of seats at middle, a certain amount of seats at high? Yeah. And it's the, the school committee would decide how many seats at what level? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and based on my experience, um, and I think many districts um, have school choice begin at the elementary, so the students are kind of experiencing that same, like, vertical curriculum mm -hmm. um, through, through K-12, pre-K-12, K-12, you can't do school choice usually recommended by, by seats available and then approved through school committee as well like as that process. So now talking about when we're going to participate in the program, but in the summer, based on the schedules and kind of finalizing and getting more, more information about how many students are enrolled in sections is when we can start to get more clear on where the seats are. That makes sense. And I would vary by Right. So it could be specific, you know, fourth grade this many seats, third grade this many seats. At this particular school. Gotcha. So, so very specific. Very, okay. very specific. Okay. So that makes sense as far as the space needs um, yep. subcommittee goes. You know, when we're watching the enrollment, and at a certain point, if there's redistricting, we're going to sort of, everything's going to, the desk is going to settle, and we're going to have an understanding of how many seats at this school in this grade might be open. Um, okay. Exactly. Exactly. And I think... Um, I have another question about a distraction. Um, so how does this work with students with disabilities? Is there like some kind of confidentiality as they're uh, applying or is it Students with disabilities can apply okay. and would be expected to be accepted into the district. I see. So is it like they send a packet? Like they would? I don't think it's okay. like, not like an out-of-district placement or anything okay. like that. It's, um, it, yeah, it, it's kind of like they're put into the, they enroll into the group in the lottery, and um, the the student services would follow. You know, we would be responsible for student services for them. Gotcha. So that could theoretically, um, if we build it, they will come. Yes, that right, is. As far as specialized programs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that reminds me of what I was going to say, which is that. Um, you know, it's, it's both a technical and kind of an adaptive um, policy question. Um, mm -hmm. So technically, we've got X number of seats and we could accept students into this school, but I think that um, there's probably like a, some groundwork to be laid and a foundation to be laid in terms of the more adaptive cultural components to it. Mm -hmm. And um, especially since it's been so long since school choice students have been, have been in the district. Um, so uh, that's just something maybe a, as you, if you're thinking about it and considering it, thinking about kind of having that like community conversation both with families and then also with faculty and staff and administrators too. Right, and like the school climate, school culture and climate piece, really. Yeah. As far as accepting. Exactly. New people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Interesting. Thanks. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, I'd yeah, consider it for you know every year. It might make sense. Motion and a second, so we'll come with a motion. We'll do a roll call vote. Camille? 
I don't really know what to say because it's a negative. Yes. So it's, I, so we. I say yes. Okay. You say yes to not accept. Yes. So I'm saying yes. Okay. Dave Callahan? Yes. Al Charles? Yes. Dave McNeil? Yes. Philly Stokes? Yes. Megan Whitmore? Yes. Lee Spencer? Yes. All right. Motion carries. Dr. Hearn. Great, thank you. Um, uh, in your packet is a revised 22-23 school calendar. So back in February, maybe, you adopted an initial school calendar that set the start date, the end date, and the major breaks and holidays during the school year. And we said we wanted to come back to you with the professional development and early release days and parent conference half days. Um, so in consultation with our administrative team. Um, we also um, share the draft contract with FDA leadership and have a discussion and conversation with them about uh, the placement of days. Um, we present to you this 22-23 uh, school calendar. Um, we have included 14 early release days in the proposed calendar. Um, it is an increase from previous years uh, and we're advocating for this increase um, to provide additional time for professional development as well as educator collaboration uh, given the responsibilities involved in, in implementing initiatives of the district and school improvement plans. That includes things like data analysis of the NWEA math test. Uh, it could also include some of the things you heard tonight like uh, the implementation of the science curriculum, educator evaluation, uh, and other things that uh, teachers are attending to. The calendar is also inclusive of uh, additional time for spring conferences. This year we returned elementary conferences for families in March, and this calendar proposes um, also having uh, March conferences for the middle school um, that the uh, middle school principals are advocating for. Uh, most of the early release days are on Fridays, although you'll see several are on Wednesdays. I think there's three over the course of the year on Wednesdays. Uh, those would back up against a faculty meeting, providing uh, additional concentrated time for faculty and staff to work together. And um, lastly, uh, time on learning has been carefully reviewed and carefully looked at. Linda Ashley and Tina Rogers put this together and reviewed time on learning at all of the levels, and this does maintain that expected, <laughs> the expectation of time on learning of 900 hours uh, for elementary and 990 for secondary. And so we're happy to answer any um, questions that you have. Um, it would be my recommendation that you adopt this calendar for the 22-23 school year. Is there a motion to adopt the revised 2022-2023 school calendar as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion, questions, Camille? I'd actually like to propose an amendment that we um, change the name of Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay, so I, I forget how to phrase it. I move. We have a motion to yes. amend the motion to adopt the revised school calendar to replace Indigenous Peoples Day. No, Columbus no to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay. Is we have a motion? Is there a second? Second. Okay, motion and a second. So we will vote on the Can amendment. Can I have discussion first? Mm -hmm. Do we have discussion first? This is my first time doing it. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would 
suggest a discussion or yeah. Yeah, if anybody wants to discuss it. Um, I know that we have a DEI committee that's going to look at with uh, collaboration of parents and um, faith leaders for other holidays, but this one doesn't add a day. It just updates the language to reflect um, appropriate uh, acknowledgement of the holiday. Um, and I'd like to report that there are two bills in the state legislature. Um, H3191 and S2027. And according to um, the website um, this Friday, they're up for reports. So they've already had a hearing last fall um, and they're up for report. Um, and I'd also like to read from a WBUR article from last September um, where um, it, it talked about the support that Italian Americans have for Indigenous Day. Um, so if, if, if I could, I'd just like to read a paragraph. Heather Lavelle, who co-founded Italian Americans for Indigenous Peoples Day, said her group emphasize, sorry, empathizes with the feelings of Italian Americans who view the day as a symbol of their ancestors overcoming adversity. Um, the holiday has been celebrated unofficially since 1792, but it was official, officially a federal holiday in 1937 for my research. Um, uh, Lavelle, a Bedford resident, says, but things are much different for us today. Our culture is celebrated, especially throughout October, which is officially recognized as Italian American Heritage Month in the Commonwealth. We enjoy a level of status and recognition in society that Native people do not, and we have a responsibility to use that platform we now have to ensure we are not repeating the same patterns of abuse that our ancestors endured. Um, so what she's saying is that um, she's acknowledging that the holiday was enacted at first um, by Italian Americans who felt um, discriminated against in the early part of the 20th century. However, once you um, attain a status of not being oppressed in that way anymore, then it's my thought and her thought too that it's her obligation to help elevate other people. So um, I stand with her and support um, changing it to Indigenous Peoples Day, and I'm hoping that that report from the legislature will make it a state change as well. Thank you. Uh, Dave Callahan? Not at this moment. Okay. Al Charles? Uh, no, no comments. Actually, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, not regarding the, the amendment. Um, should I hold on, if not regarding the amendment, or should I am I good to go? Uh, a question on what? Um, so regarding kindergarten placement, I know we, we talked about it the last time. I, I don't recall exactly what was the, the response um, in terms of what would be the first day of kindergarten and when would that be placed on the calendar. I think that's a fair question yeah. because if you were to vote, you'd be voting on an amended calendar. calendar. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a fair question to ask and have a conversation about other things um, in addition to what the amendment is. Mm -hmm. um, we have not yet set when the first day of kindergarten would be. Um, that is a, a conversation that we typically have with um, the FEA leadership after we determine the case screening process. Uh, typically, kindergarten starts uh, a few days after uh, the first day of students for first through 12th. 
as part of our anti-racism work is important. And you know, I agree with Camille that um, you know it's we're ignorant of the oppression of the indigenous people. It's just easy to ignore it. Um, so, Camille, you got something else? <laughs> I was I was simply going to say, and for the audience too, because they are wondering why is there a controversy. It's um, because indigenous people feel as though if it's commemorating the, quote, discovery of America, um, there were already people here. It was already populated. There was rich culture um, for thousands of years. And so the idea that many of us grew up learning that he discovered America is not quite true. And so then it leaves you with, like, what are you really celebrating, that he landed here? Um, also, indigenous people consider him a colonizer and a lot of death and destruction what came out of that. Um, and when we know better, we do better. So that's how I understand it. Okay, so we have a motion to amend and a second. Any more discussion, questions? I'm looking at Al and shaking his head. Did Callahan go once? Okay, all right, so we'll call vote, Camille. Bernstein voting to amend. Yes, I'm voting to amend. Okay. So I think we just to be clear, you're voting on the calendar as amended? Yes. Sorry. Voting yes, voting on the calendar as amended, which means covers everything, including the change on the day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That would be yes. Okay. Dave Calvin. Yes. Al Charles. Yes. David Neal. Yes. Elise Stokes. Yes. Megan Whitmore. Yes. Spencer, yes. All right. All right, the amendment is carried. Okay. Um, okay, Cooperstown field trip, Dr. Hearn. Um, we ended up um, revising the, since we met to discuss the packet, we put that in consent agenda since it's a recurring trip. You're right, yes, Norman. All right, discussion only items, there are none. Information matters, superintendent. Yes, um, we met earlier tonight to review the superintendent evaluation process. Uh, we expect to review the superintendent's evidence in May, and we'll complete the final evaluation in June. Thank you, Elise. Uh, budget, David Neal. Yes, the budget subcommittee on March 29th, where we discussed the work on the budget adjustment that was detailed this evening. Members also had opportunities to ask any clarifying questions or follow-up questions from the public hearing, and we do not have another budget meeting scheduled at this time. Uh, under the town budget meetings, the budget So FinCon is gonna be the week of May 9th. We have a regularly scheduled school committee meeting on the 10th, so I think we'll be um, sometime later that week. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the town council budget hearing is, I wanna say May 25th and 26th. Yeah. Dave Callahan. So our April uh, policy meeting had to be postponed. Uh, next one we have, it will be on May 3rd. Mm -hmm. All right, community relations. So an announcement that our legislative forum has been canceled and will hopefully be rescheduling in the near future. I will keep everyone up to date. Um, space needs and facilities assessment, Al Charles. Sorry, I'm going to 
Um, <laughs> uh, so we did have our first social meeting where we talked through um, just the plan, our initial phase, which was gathering information. Um, we do have our next meeting on the 26th of April, I believe. We'll just double check. Sorry, no, 28th. Thank you. Uh, joint PCCs. Um, good. Uh, so we, we did not have our meeting today, uh, just due to low attendance. Um, we will be meeting again in, in May. I believe it's the third. Last week, we discussed some events to share wellness-related information and better engage the community in our work. On our behalf, Lucas has contacted the Franklin Farmers Market about opportunities for a SWAC booth this summer. I'll keep you posted when that and other events are confirmed. We might be going on the road. <laughs> I have an update to add. What's the update? Yes. I received um, word back from the Farmers Market. We do have a booth that they set up. We just have to finish the application process. They'll select the dates. and. I'm sure we'll have other opportunities to communicate more as we go through the airport. It's exciting. That's really exciting. Yes, it's going to be a good time. Um, and our next SWAC meeting is Tuesday, May 4th. Do you get to pick which booth you're next to? I don't know. We have so many questions. It's going to be very exciting. The, the bread one. The oh, bread. the bread one. Bread one. <gasps> Big lines there. Yeah. I'm going to go with Alright. Um, CPAC, Elise. So the CPAC is holding a workshop and meeting tomorrow night on Zoom. The workshop starts at 7 p.m. It's focused on mental health skill building, and the CPAC board meeting will be held afterwards at 8 p.m. The event is open to the public, and we hope people will take advantage of this free opportunity. Substance abuse task force met this meeting. I'm sorry, I was unable to attend. So, Lucas or Dave, any update? I'm happy Lucas? to share an update. Okay. Um, we met to debrief the critical conversations that took place um, earlier uh, this month, and uh, we see some really, really solid information from the group. Our plan now is to survey uh, families uh, about some potential topics that could come up that could serve as future critical conversations, and also um, we are planning a fall critical conversation that will be in the works. Um, there's a few topics that have risen uh, to the top that may make their way uh, out. So there's more planning to be done. And certainly we have a productive meeting. Anything to add, Mrs. Wrong? Nope. Yeah. We'll look forward to another critical conversation in October. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, all right. And diversity, equity, inclusion, we meet tomorrow afternoon. Right. So that's all set. Consent agenda, Dr. Ahern? I recommend approval of the minutes of the March 22nd, 2022 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend approval of the executive session minutes of the March 22, 20, 2022 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend approval of the request of Miguel Carmo to take DECA students to Atlanta, Georgia for the international competition from April 23rd through 27th, 2022 as detailed. I recommend approval of the request of Ms. Trottier to take the JFK second graders to Roger Williams Park Zoo in Providence, Rhode Island on May 20th, 2022 as detailed. And I recommend approval of the request of Zach Brown to take the FHS baseball players to Cooperstown, New York from April 18th to 19th, 2022 as detailed. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. A second? Sorry. Discussion, questions, Camille? If the people need a chaperone for the zoo, I will go. And if not, just go see the giant ant eater. That's what I was going to say. I want to go to the Uh, Dave Tanya, anything? No, this is uh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
Al. No questions at this time. Thank you. Thank you. No questions. All right. So we've got a motion to second. Roll call vote. Camille? Yes. Dave? Yes. Al? Yes. Dave? Yes. Elise? Yes. Megan? Yes. Denise? Yes. All right. Motion carries. All right. Next on the agenda is citizens' comments. So are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? You can come up and state your name and address, please. Hi, my name is Carol O'Neill. I live at 11 Colt Road. Um, My grandchildren are not in the schools. My children were in the schools. They're older now. And uh, I worked in the schools. Um, Just to preface what I'm going to say to you is that a few years back I had a conundrum of sorts in wherein I was wondering about how ethical our society was. So I decided to take a uh, philosophy ethics course a summer intensive one where I just read and did term papers the whole summer. And um, I came across, you know, interesting things like, uh, I never pronounced this right, unitilariatism. It's a philosophy. And um, the common good. And um, I used the course, you know, but did I actually learn what I came in there to learn? And it wasn't uh, the professor, he was great. It was me. Did I learn what I came in to learn? And so all of these years, I always had this wondering. And then uh, the pandemic came, and I I still had questions about it. And uh, we had this uh, we and me kind of thing going on. So I was kind of wondering, like, what is this about? Should somebody, you know, say that they want restrictions to be stopped so they can go to the hairdresser? Uh, What are we talking about when it comes to all of us? And then last October, my six-year-old granddaughter, um, I was there in the background while her mother took her in to to have her uh, shot, her, her COVID shot. And she's standing there, this little girl, and she's shaking, she's shaking. And she didn't want the shot, she was afraid. And then the the woman who was administering the shot said to her, you're a hero. And I thought, oh my God, oh my goodness, this is where I'm coming from. I finally recognize what the common good is about. And I intend to speak more about my this to my grandchildren and my granddaughter and my other grandchildren in that when she was told she was a hero she stopped shaking and she took that shot and what was trying to be said to her is that she was doing this for the common good and um, I thought about what you have all done and you have all done these past couple of years in the school committee before you in trying to deal with this pandemic and trying 
to do things for the better of all of us and our students. And I just want you to know that I thank you. You get criticized all too often. It is a tough, tough thing that you're all doing. It's our schools. And I just want you to know that I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you. Lucas, can you um, ensure that people on Zoom can raise their hand? I think they have the capability. Um, I think Al had, had raised his hand, so if anybody wanted to, that's what they would need to do. Um, all right. Seeing none. All right, new business, Dr. Hearn. Um, at the next meeting, uh, I believe we are going to have some guests in the guest presentation area uh, from our science fair winners um, at your request. Uh, so we've got a couple students from the high school coming to share their science fair uh, science fair projects, um, and that is um, in addition to you know other uh, routine matters you may have field trips, gift acceptances, budget transfers, and the like. So at this time, I'd entertain a motion to adjourn the April 12th school committee meeting. So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, roll call vote. Yes. Yes. Dave Callahan? Yes. Charles Charles? Yes. Dave Callahan? Yes. Please do. Yes. 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 Thank you, everyone. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.